0: There's not a person sitting out there tonight who has not encountered or has not faced some disadvantage or some adversity in life. Sometimes um, these adversities uh, are overcome by hard work. Sometimes these disadvantages are overcome by ingenuity, creativity, creativity. And sometimes neither of those two things work and it just requires an act of God, a miracle. Uh, Booker T. Washington was born in Franklin County, Virginia and he was a black man, born a black child. He, uh, he had to work hard. He had a tremendous disadvantage that he faced in life. Um, he couldn't go to school because the blacks were not permitted in Franklin County, Virginia, to go to public school. closest he got to a school was when he'd carry the books of the the white children. He worked for a white man. He labored hard. He he encountered these disadvantages, wrote about it later in, in a book entitled Up from Slavery, and he said that he lived on the philosophy that there was some advantage in every disadvantage if you worked hard enough to find it. He became a wealthy landowner, the founder of of an institute. He became the counselor to two presidents, Theodore Roosevelt and Taft. And all of this accomplished because this man encountered the disadvantages and the adversities of his life and overcame them by just working hard. Sometimes uh, disadvantages and adversities are overcome by ingenuity, creativity. Dale Galloway has written a book called Dream New Dreams. He tells about a man who had a little convenience store in the city of Los Angeles. He sold a little bit of groceries and a little bit of novelties and some, some things like that, just a, you know, one of these little stop-and-go stores. Some wealthy developers in Los Angeles came in there and just leveled all the buildings around him, bought up all the buildings around him, and he wouldn't sell And in the place of where these old buildings were, they built a humongous department store, discount house, where you could go in and buy everything this man sold in this little store. You could buy in this humongous department store, uh, discount house. His business was, of course, to nothing. He was just about ready to, to fold his tent and give up, and he had a little thought, he took all of his life savings and he bought a sign. He put everything he owned into this sign. It had three words on it. And he erected this big sign out in front of his little convenience store. This huge sign put all of his savings into. Three words. Main entrance here. Sometimes it just takes creativity and ingenuity to overcome the disadvantages and the adversities. The lame man in this third chapter of the book of Acts could not work hard because he was crippled for 40 years from his, from his birth. And he was beyond it was beyond him to be creative and ingenious. but there was hope in God. And God intervened and accomplished in this man's life a miracle that overcame his adversity and his disadvantages. I want you to look with the, uh, in the worksheet at the setting. I want us to set, that, set this in its, uh, in its place. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a certain man who had been lain from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. Um. There were three times that the Jews gathered for prayer. Early in the morning, at sunrise, just before sunset, and in the middle of the afternoon, in the ninth hour. It was at this time that all of this happened. This lame man was sitting at the temple gate, at the temple beautiful. He had been carried there every day of his life to beg alms. He was placed there because that was a pretty good... um, uh, place to make a little, to beg a little, because the Jews came to the, to the temple bringing an offering in their possession to give an offering to the Lord. And most of the time, a person who came to the temple was usually somewhat compassionate, somewhat religious, somewhat moved with pity when he saw someone in suffering and in need. So it was a pretty good place to pick up a dollar or two, a shekel or two. And so they placed him there every day at the temple, at the temple gate to beg. He'd never known a healthy day in his life. He had no ability to move. All he had to face was another day of begging alms, nothing to look forward to, except just another day sitting at the temple gate asking somebody for help. We're used to that, I guess, and we may get more used to it. My uh, doorbell rang today right in the middle of the Cowboy game. Now look. I mean, don't they have any, is there anything sacred? Is there anything sacred? You know, my, fault, my, my doorbell rang in the middle of the Cowboy game. A lady was standing there, destitute. She said, I've been to the police station and, and they told me to come to your house. You might help me. I'm on my way to Indiana. I'm hungry. I'd like to have some help. Nothing to look forward to except to be brought to the temple gate every day. No purpose in life. George Bernard Shaw said that every man is ill at ease until he finds his niche in life. This man had none. Nietzsche the infidel said, whenever a man, as long as a man has a why for life, he can bear almost any how. If he has a reason to live, this man had none. Just to sit there at the temple every day and beg. Notice the discussion, verses 3 through 6. Now when the apostles came to the temple, they didn't know, probably didn't know that they had find him there. When they arrived, they may have not seen him before. Probably uh, he had never seen them, didn't know them. Here they come. Now I want you to get the picture now. Here were these apostles who had been gifted with the gift of healing. God had given special gifts to the, uh, to, to the apostles. The gift of healing was one of them. To authenticate the gospel and the apostles themselves. And so they had the power to heal just at the touch. They had the power to heal just at the word. They had been gifted with the gift of healing to authenticate the gospel. Because they were apostles, they had been granted the oracles of God so that when these men spoke, they were speaking as though God were speaking Himself. And so here came these apostles to the temple with the gift of healing And with the oracles of God, the voice of God in their mouth. And when this man saw them, he asked for money. What a tragedy. Peter said, Look at us. Did you see that in the text? Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Look at us, they said. And, and you can imagine how the, the, the lame man's heart must have begun to beat a little faster. I'm fixing to get something here. These men have spoken to me, asked me to look at them. I'm going to give me something. Look at us, he said. You see, when you look, when you look, for, when you look to men for something, you look for that which is logical. When you look to men for something, you look for money or alms. You look for that which is logical and, uh, and apparent. When you look for, to God for something, you look for that which is illogical and unexplainable and miraculous. Oh, for a church that looks to God and not to men. Oh, oh for people who understand that when you look to God, you look for something illogical and unexplainable, something that cannot be explained in human terms. Too much of what goes on in the church can be explained in terms of human abilities, human ingenuity, human work, not when when you look to God. Things happen that are illogical and unexplainable, He said, we don't have money, what a letdown. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And that's what he wanted. He can't explain that except in terms of a divine intervention of God. Now look at the healing. Verses 7 and 8. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Um, There's a process of healing here that, um, that takes place. Dr. Luke wants us to know this that's not often you know, explained in the scriptures, the process of healing. But Dr. Luke, you know, with every, wanting every detail to be understood and recognized, gives us this process of healing. He says, first, he seized him by the right hand. I mean, every detail, by the right hand, he seized him. Secondly, he raised him up. And thirdly, immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. The process of healing took place immediately. Now look at what happened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. Now I want you to take a look at this. Here's a a group of Jews in in the temple, you know, solemn and quiet like a room full of nuns. And all of a sudden, boom, here comes this guy inside the church leaping and dancing and praising God. One of the most refreshing things in the world is to find a church full of folks who don't know how to act in church. (laughs) You ever notice that, how fun that is? Is get a bunch of folks together in church who don't know how to act in church. That's exciting, isn't it? just don't know any better but to leap and to praise God and to rejoice and to celebrate. Um, Howard Hendricks, the... uh, Guy who was so active, who is such a leader in Campus Crusade, tell, tells about bringing his friend Frank to church, brand new Christian. Frank had never been to a prayer meeting. He didn't know what you did, never been to one prayer meeting before, and he got in this room, you know, small prayer meeting at this little church. Everybody sat in a circle, and everybody got ready to pray. He, you know, and he looked around. Everybody was bowed their head down, looking at the floor. He didn't know what the world was going on. And, and and started praying, you know, around the room. Didn't take a, didn't take a genius to know that it was time for him to pray. He never prayed in public. And he's looking down. He didn't think that's right. He's looked up, you know. And he said, "Hello, God. It's Frank." You know, as though Frank God didn't know who Frank was. You know, he said, "I, you remember me, don't you? I saved in the church not long ago." He said, "I live over on fifteen twenty nine Elm." He said, I thought he was going to give me a zip code. You know, didn't know what to do in church. That's refreshing. Irma Bombeck, she's not a theologian, but she's written a cute little book about people, the way people act in church. She said, I was sitting in church one Sunday morning. A little guy in front of me kept turning around and grinning at everybody. He said, he wasn't cutting up. he's just grinning at everybody. said, after a while, his mother got him by the neck and twisted it good, you know, and said, Turn around and stop grinning. You're in church. <laughs> and said the little boy kind of got a sour look on his face, you know. And she said, "That's better," you know. And, and and Irma Bombeck said, most of us go to church with a kind of look on our face like a like a person who had just learned his rich aunt died and left all her money to a pregnant hamster. That's about the way some of us uh, look. We, uh, uh, we, we we know how to act in, in church, don't we? And Irma Bombeck said, I'm sure that the God who understands people who laugh and rejoice understands little kids who pick their nose in church. And he understands the kind of prayer I pray when I pray. Lord, if you can't make me thin, make all my friends look fat. You've prayed like that, haven't you? And they, brought, and they brought him in to church and he came leaping and dancing and praising God. He didn't know any better but just to express what he, what he felt. Notice verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Now if you're following in your outline, look at the message of hope beginning at verse 11. The explanation, explanation, the power is from God and not from man. Verses 11 through 13. And, and, and while he was clinging to Peter and John, you know, when, when, when somebody does something uh, like that, when somebody has that kind of power, wh- wh- what do we want to do with them? We want to deify them. And so the man wanted to cling to him and was clinging to him. And all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement, They wanted to deify them. The flash bulbs were flashing and the television cameras were grinding. Here were these men who had this supernatural power. Put them in the spotlight. Deify them. Glorify them. But when Peter saw this, saw what? Saw that the people were glorifying them. Saw the people were deifying them. He replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Notice this. A person who has been really gifted of God, a person who has been really gifted of God feels terribly uneasy when the people begin to deify or glorify Him. He doesn't like that. A person who has been really gifted of God feels uneasy in the spotlight. I long to see the day. I long to see men. I'm impressed by men, mightily used of God, who don't know it. Notice what he said. Why do you marvel at this? Now, there's a reason to marvel when something something supernatural happens in, in, in man's strength. But why do we marvel when something supernatural happens when it is of God? You know, sometimes taking yes for an answer is more difficult than taking no. Have you ever noticed how, don't you get surprised when God really does work? Sometimes, why, why are we so surprised? And so they prayed for Peter's release, and when he was released, they wouldn't believe it. Sometimes taking yes for an answer is harder than taking No. Why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we had made Him walk? Listen, celebrities, whatever that celebrity, wherever that celebrity is practiced, listen, it is not by your power or piety that any great thing is accomplished, nor mine. The explanation is that the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. I have a strong suspicion that, that God can do a lot of things in the world if we're willing for Jesus to get the glory, or the Father to get the glory for it. Declaration, faith is through Christ and not self. Look at verses 13b and following. The one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer, that's Barabbas, to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, that's Jesus, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses, that is, that He raised Him from the dead. And on the basis of faith in His name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. It is the name of Jesus that has strengthened this man, brought healing, that you see and know. Now underline this next statement. And the faith which comes through Him, has given Him this perfect health in the presence of you all. How many times um, have you heard this statement? Well, He just didn't have enough faith to be healed. You know where the faith to be healed comes from? It comes from through the sovereign will and choice of God Himself. It comes through Jesus. I think that instead, maybe instead of our prayer being, Lord, heal so-and-so, it might be, Lord, give us the faith to believe the healing of so-and-so. For the very Faith itself is a sovereign act of God, and greater still. I think we ought, we have to just come in our life to the place where we just say, so we, where we just submit ourselves to the sovereign God and say, "It is your choice whether I have the faith or not." It comes through Him. Now notice the invitation. Our hope is in heaven, not on earth. Verse 19, repent therefore and return that your sins, by the way, they're free results of repentance and faith. Notice them. Repent therefore that your sins may be wiped away. That's the first result that comes in salvation. Your sins are wiped away. It's like taking a big cosmic eraser and erasing the chalkboard of your life. Your sins are wiped away. What a glorious thought. They're put away, they're cleansed, they're wiped away. Secondly, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, times of refreshing come, your sins are blotted, wiped away, and times of refreshing may come that He may send Jesus Christ, the Christ appointed for you. Third thing, He sends Jesus to come and live in your life. What a word. When a person finds the Lord, when salvation comes, his sins are wiped away, refreshing of his life comes, joy comes, the spring comes, and Jesus comes to live in his life. Now follow me right on down there, the verses. Whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of the thing, all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets in ancient times. Moses said, The Lord God shall raise up from you, for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To, whom, to him you shall give heed in everything he says to you. And it shall be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel, Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days, It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first Christ raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Now why this message? Who was overhearing this message? The healed man. He'd never heard the gospel of redemption before he never heard the message of salvation before. Now there's something that is more vital to a man than his physical healing. And that is the gospel message of redemption through Jesus Christ. I tell you, it's more vital to have your sins wiped away than to walk when you're lame. It's more vital to have the times of refreshing, to have the living Christ in your heart than it is to walk again a crippled now let me look at the application with you two work, two things in the application and I'm through we'll get out of here one health health is enjoying periods and times of refreshing health is enjoying periods and times of refreshing. And number two, living each day under the blessing of God is perfect health. Living each day under the blessing of God is health. There's nothing better in life than to live each day under the blessing of God. Join me in prayer and we'll be dismissed. I'm grateful you've come tonight to study God's Word. And I hope you're, if you're visiting with us that you have a wonderful visit in our, with your family in our town and you have a safe trip home or back where you're going. And I hope that this is a good week for each of you. Let's pray together.